This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. This segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your gun are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney. That's John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him at 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. Hey, folks, how would you like to learn to become a better self-defender with John Correa? Now's your chance at Cover Your ASP or Cover Your ASP Week in San Diego. And if you're a San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino, or even Orange County gun owner, member, check your email for a discounted code. Early bird discounts have been extended through the end of the year. Training makes a great Christmas gift for that gun owner in your family. Links to register are at gunownersradio.com website. And you can hear me now. Turn it in. Tune in. Or if you can hear me now, tune into your YouTube live stream at youtube.com slash gunownersradio. And please hit the like and subscription button to support our show. I even wore my San Diego County gun owner shirt. That's fantastic. Two other people missed the memo. Well, I, um, the memo I got was stop wearing T-shirts. <laughs> Who told you to stop wearing a T-shirt? Management. You look stellar in yeah, a T-shirt. You wear that shirt well enough for us anyway. So. I know. I got to sit up. I got to bend it just a little bit. Okay. So, cool. So, so what do we got our, today, uh, sir? We had our 10-ring night shoot last night. You did? It was awesome. We got uh, our 10-ring members out in a uh, private uh, outdoor range. range. No kidding. Um, got to, uh, had a, we had a cool, cool little event. Everybody showed up. I did a safety briefing as always. Uh, we got to shoot on steel for a while and then, uh, they catered it. It's this really delicious, uh, 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 caterer, this, this beef lamb thing. It was really, really <laughs> delicious. And by that time, sun was down. A little chilly. It got, got a little yeah. cold. <laughs> Um, but they had night vision goggles for us to try. Ah, how'd you like that? It was awesome. Have you ever, Joe, you ever used night vision goggles? No, I don't think I have. No. Have you, have you ever, Dave? Oh, yes. Really? Where did you? United States Army. Oh, really? Oh. So I doubt the quality. I was like, that's what you had last night. That's when they had tubes in them, wasn't it? No, they didn't have tubes. <laughs> but I know I drove into a ditch using it. So tubes. They weren't as good as they that you had. They, they were amazing. It was truly, if you've never tried it, it was really amazing. It was seriously like looking at a high definition black and white TV. Uh, they weren't green? It wasn't green. See, it was, that's it where was, I come from, the green world. It was amazing. You'd I, I I put them on. You'd look down. I was looking down this valley, but it was pitch dark. Couldn't couldn't see anything. And they put them on and boom, I could see like 
leaves on trees in the middle of the night, you know, and you could wow. see uh, uh, houses and uh, boom. And it was crystal clear. It really was very, very clear. Like okay. I said, it was it was black and white, but it was like a high definition black and white TV. So all you military personnel out there that swore you'd never use night vision goggles ever again, there's a testament that you can because in the military, you had no depth perception. I mean, you could drive off into a ditch and not even know it. <laughs> Everything was green and fuzzy. No, this this was, I don't want to say crystal clear. It was very clear. Well, We're, you could see to hit something, right? Yeah. The yeah, target. You, yeah, you could shoot with it. You wow. could see your red dot. If were, you they had pretty, were they pretty compact or were they bulky? Uh, the ones I had, there there were a couple, of, couple, couple different people brought a couple different versions. The one I tried were actually connected to a helmet. So there were oh, like okay. little goggles right in front. But it was really easy to get get used to. Your, your field of vision was, you know. Did you try any of the other ones, or just that just one? those? Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was amazing. It was really really cool. But they had, you know, people got to try shooting, you know, iron sights, red dots, whatever, with these goggles on. All, actually, all day was really cool because everybody when you, when we do these shoots, everybody brings their coolest gun, right? Yeah. So course. I got to shoot a four fifty eight SOCOM, which a four fifty eight SOCOM, if you haven't seen it. The bullet is, it's an AR, it looks just like a regular AR, yeah. but the the cartridge, it looks like a like a tube of lipstick. It's that big. No kidding. So a 30-round a AR mag is a 10-round 458 SOCOM mag. Ooh. So if you look on a, on a magazine, you uh-huh. know, they're kind of staggered, right? Right, right, 458 right. SOCOM, it just fills One. the whole thing. So I got to shoot a 458 SOCOM, and I brought my Keltec out there that everybody knows I, I love. Yeah, and I let everybody try that. Are you getting a new gun for Christmas? Called the SOCOM. <laughs> well, I will wish. I know, right? <laughs> you gotta just put it on your Christmas list. Well, immediately, all my 30 round AR mags would immediately become 10 round 458 See? SOCOM, and then mags. you would comply. I'd be, yeah. I think you're halfway there. All about what do those run roughly? 458 SOCOM. It's, However much an AR is, I mean, they range. You can, so it's you, not stupid expensive. No, it's not. You could actually on your AR, you could buy an upper for six hundred to I don't know fifteen hundred bucks. You know, depending on quality, oh. and you just slap it on your lower, and and then four fifty eight ammo is like a buck, buck and a half around, oh. two bucks around. Oh. <laughs> Hold it so, right there. I'm only yeah. going to shoot you once. But right now, shoot. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> don't move, with, <laughs> Mr. Deer. With, I'm only going to shoot you once. With five, five, six, you know, two or three rounds at yeah. fifty cents, or one round with four fifty eight. <laughs> yeah, when I heard that ammo's up to a what over a buck on some some variations, like yeah. holy mackerel, it's crazy. You know, we just had our so we did that, and that was fun, and there, everybody was really cool. You could. You know, use everybody's guns. That was cool. And then they, we had a bonfire, and you know, I put all the guns away, put all, all secured all the guns, unloaded, put them all away. Had some drinks, mm, told some right. stories. Yeah, had a fire. Um, but then we had two shooting socials this week, and getting a hold of nine millimeter because we had ten uh, students yesterday morning at the gun range San Diego, all women, and that was the the shooting socials that we do mm-hmm. it, it's not targeted we just open it up hey if you're interested come on out so 10 women found us and said hey we want to we want to learn so it wasn't like it was we targeted it wasn't like mm-hmm. a women's group or anything like that um and then today was uh guns and moses the jewish shooting group and we had uh 16 17 but getting nine millimeters is, is very very tricky <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> okay. and you were able to get enough yeah some of the local shops are um uh, helping me out, but they can't, uh, 
you know they can't they, they can't know, get it either they can't get it either and i certainly you know it's not that they're charging more money they're having to charge me what what they're getting i mean they, they can't take a loss on it you know no and you well, wouldn't want them to yeah and the thing with that stuff too it seems to be up and down because I'll, I'll go to some different shops and they'll have something one day they won't have it the next day and they'll say yeah we're getting more tomorrow but we don't know what we're getting you know it, it's always different the supply chain is it to- totally disrupted it's totally inconsistent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's what uh ryan peterson was telling me that too from um from gunfighter tactical about building uh stuff just doing build-ups for rifles because he said the same thing the the supply chain is just goofy he doesn't know what he can get when he can get it yeah yeah well that's the last shooting social for the year i think i have enough ammo for for 20 for at least the first few we actually have two a month for the first three months mm-hmm. first three or four months of uh, 2021 so as long as interest and ammo is there we'll we're going to continue to do them but they were they were all kinds of fun wow that's amazing well so, it sounded like a lot of shooting this weekend yeah see you got a lot, a lot of, of learning and you have a lot of things put on your christmas list yeah <laughs> night vision goggles i mean yeah Lord, I, if you're listening i hope santa is listening yeah i hope so. santa if you're listening <laughs> i need i need uh I night need. vision goggles and a 458 socom and what else ammo yeah ammo <laughs> i think you should put ammo on ammo top should of probably it. move to the top yeah. of the line there oh by the way uh mark specter good morning if you're listening he said he set his alarm so he's uh, he he had to work late. Oh, and he set his alarm so he could wake up. So I said, "All right, I'll I'll say hi to you." Jump on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. And so hopefully he's listening. So good morning, Mark. Yeah, I'll tell you the the charity match is coming up. So you want to pair up with Mark because Mark is good luck to yeah. go. Uh, oh, are, are you saying with. this from experience? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. People that pair up with Mark, uh, DG. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do good. Hey, we have some great news for you. We are so proud to welcome. The National Concealed Carry Association has a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of of gear and accessories. Learn more about them at nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. All right, man. Who's our next guest? Next guest has uh, been with us before, and we always get uh, a lot of really positive feedback. Um, in fact, uh, some of our uh, most popular episodes have been uh, with Clint Smith from Thunder Ranch. Clint, are you there? Yes, sir. I am. Thank you. How are Th- you? You doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. I got to tell you, uh, you know, we last time we interviewed you. Um, we got so much positive feedback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, already know that you're a extremely well respected um extremely well known uh in in the industry but uh, i just wanted you to know our listeners loved hearing from you and know exactly who you are and 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 demanded we have you back well i appreciate it um i uh hopefully we can always kind of contribute something well you're doing a fantastic job now you you a book book just came out urban rifle two tell us a little bit about urban rifle two um the, the book is a, basically an upgrade, shall we say, or an update of the original Urban Rifle book, and this is two. And then uh, we just came out, I think, in the last couple weeks with the audio version. Uh, and instead of having somebody, um, you know, we'll say from Hollywood read it, uh, I read it myself. So uh, we put a bunch of extra stuff in, like sidebars. And the reason, you know, a lot of times you'll get 
some information like that, but you don't know what it's based on. So I, um, yeah, I just, it's, I did it and it was fun. I'm sure the guy who edited it, it wasn't fun for him, but uh, I had a, a great time doing it because I got to say what I uh, thought and then give people the background on it too. And you're, and you're definitely not shy about saying what you think. Well, um, yeah, you know, the, the problem with it is, is everybody needs to sugarcoat everything today and not hurt anyone's feelings. And to be honest with you, there are some people that need their feelings hurt, you know, uh, if nothing else, just because they're stupid. So that's uh, <laughs> the way it is. All right. So, all right. So what does the term urban rifle refer to for people that don't know? What does that mean? Okay. So the deal with it is, is it addresses like any rifle, but for that time frame um, that I started it in 1983 is when I first started choosing the class by that name. Urban Rifle basically is an AR platform. Uh, it diversified into other things. I mean, I I actually have taken my own class using a single-shot rifle just to show that I could do it. But in layman's terms, Urban Rifle is how to fight with a rifle inside what you normally consider to be a pistol range. And the same thing, I know that most police you know, qualifications or a lot of qualifications for concealed carry are like 10 yards or 15 yards, but... And, you know, the 70s and 80s, you know, we were shooting handguns at 50 yards real regular as far as just for qualifications. Like, um, you know, just regular people and, of course, law enforcement, too, because that's where my background came from. So it's how to fight with a rifle inside what you normally consider a pistol range. So I always want people to be able to control. Uh, you could use the word dominate or however. Uh, I think you should, whatever the distance, the width of your car, the length of your car. Two cars are better because it's better protection. And then the farthest distance you can see inside your house. And how I would do that is lay down a steel tape and then create that distance at the range. And then anything else after that, to be honest with you, is gravy. You know, somebody goes, hey, I want to hit a guy at 500 yards. I don't know why. If he's 500 yards away, I'd go the other way just so I didn't get, you know, involved. I don't want to fill out the paperwork. (laughs) So this isn't about, it's not about hunting. It's not necessarily precision. Maybe what, what a lot of people would consider precision uh, rifle work. Um, this is, uh, you know, within, you're in a suburban area, you're in an urban area. Um, you know, this is for home defense. This is for self-defense in areas where, where frankly, most human beings live in the United States these days. Well, the whole world becomes more urbanized on a daily basis. And you mentioned the word precision. Um, and I think there are two areas that we address. All shooting should be precision shooting, all shooting. I don't care what it is, okay? But in the AR platform, it's really critical that people understand that there are also a surgical application because at 25 yards or closer, 75 feet, no matter what the zero on the rifle is, in other words, guy goes, I have a zero at 100. It doesn't matter. At 25 yards and closer, the offset, that's the difference between the height of the site and the axis of the bore, are going to get people in trouble if they don't understand it. And that's probably one of the single biggest teaching points that I push people on really hard is to basically do that and be able to do that on their feet, shall we say, uh, at distances that you would consider to be like inside your house. And the, and so in the book talks about uh, tell us a little bit more more about the, the the content of the of the book is it is it making the case that uh you know rifles are are good for urban defense and self-defense or is it more of a teaching book or, or tell us a little bit about the actual content what, what what are people going to learn in the book 
the content of the book in my mind's eye was so that people could literally take the book based on its size and everything that they could literally take it to the range with them. And then if they, for example, let's say they wanted to shoot a brace kneeling position or they wanted to understand reverse kneeling because they gave them more protection of cover, then this gave them photographs and all the information to do so. And it also in the book, for example, stresses a lot about what we talked about offset. So it's a book that you could in theory read but it's also, in my mind's eye, a range manual. Um, and, and all this sounds like a sales pitch. And, and I, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I can honestly say you brought it up. But <laughs> the, the, the point of it is, is it's to help people that maybe don't always grasp what's going on. Because if you take comparable mediums, we'll talk about like walls inside your house. If you shoot, for example, nine millimeter, we'll say ball ammunition and a two, two, three round. If they go through exactly the same mediums, most of the time the handgun round goes through more walls than a rifle round. So the comparison is the 9mm is a, shall we say, a steel hauler loaded with steel, and the 223 is a Corvette. They both leave the road going at the same speed and go through a bunch of trees. You already know the Corvette isn't going to hold up. So the thing that we like about the rifle is the velocity because it's more effective. But we also, you know, need to understand that people always go, oh, I should do the handgun. And then, you know, we always get the argument about like, oh, well, shotguns are better. Well, there's no question if you use a shotgun for home defense and you aim the gun and hit what you're aiming at, you're going to probably screw it up. Uh, But the problem with it is that with shotguns is people don't understand that inside their house, a shotgun is actually still a rifle because the pattern hasn't opened up enough. So if someone goes, would you use a rifle for home defense? My answer would be absolutely yes. If I lived, for example, in a mobile home park, I wouldn't want to use SS-109 green tips. It's a core penetrator. So in other words, now I'm starting to build custom cabinets with a chainsaw. In other words, it's not the right tool. And that's you know, that's the thing that we're trying to get across to people. Well, and, that, and that's actually why I bring it up. I'm asking you a lot of questions that I already know the answer to because I, 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 it is a sales pitch. I want people to, to read Urban uh, urban Rifle and, and, and also Urban Rifle 2 um, because of what you just talked about. I, I think a lot of people have, you know, they go out and buy an AR. They maybe take a class or two, but um, in my experience – um, it's it kind of sits in the safe, or you know they take it, and it's kind of a cool, neat thing. You know, it, to use your analogy, it's like it's the Corvette that just kind of sits in the garage, and maybe they take it out on Sunday, and you know, and and cruise it around. But this thing's you know not a Corvette; it, it's a hammer. You know, it's it's a it's a tool, and I think it's a very effective tool, and it's a it's an extremely effective firearm. Um, uh, people should use it for for home defense and for political reasons, for lack of a better term. Um, or for for optics, maybe. Um, well, no, that that would confuse gun owners. For political reasons, <laughs> uh, political opinions. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, look at the AR as uh, you know this exotic uh, animal. When when really it, it's a an extremely effective firearm. It's extremely good for home defense, um, and and I think people should use it that way. Which is you know I'm, I was so glad to. Uh, to, uh, to you know, to hear what you just said, but also uh, you stress that point fairly frequently. Well, I think the thing about it is, is you know, when it comes to the rifle, people go, "Well, that's that's too much." 
I don't know what's too much when someone's in your home trying to take your life and your family's life. I, I, I don't, that would be, you know, the fancy lawyer word then becomes arguable, but I do know this, you know, you know, cause you, you, you do it on a regular basis. That's a very high percentage, like a nominal 80% of people shot by handguns in hostile, shall we say situations, even shot multiple times survive. I think that I might be better to shoot one round well, effectively, and stop the fight, and the rifle's better, and there's no question, than shoot multiple rounds from a handgun, and now I have a lawyer attached to all these bullets that are wandering around through walls and buildings and apartments and everything else. So, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, people always go, well, you know, the single biggest thing I would say about the rifles is that people don't carry their rifles. So they have and build rifles that are over the top. Uh, they'll have like a long barrel. They'll have like a heavy barrel. And I'm not talking about violating the law. And, you know, if you get a 16-inch right. barrel, that, that's fine. But the deal, and people go like, well, you know, we can only have 10 rounds. Okay, so you're telling me you don't know how to reload? Uh, I mean, if that's a skill set that you think you're going to need, then I already think that you and I both know the answer to that, you know. Um, so I think it's a very viable tool and I think it can solve a lot of problems in a much more expedited manner. Do I want to use it? No, I'd rather not. Um, I also have a fire extinguisher beside my bed and I'd rather not use that if my house is on fire. So, you know, at what point does a fire extinguisher and, you know, a spare tire in your car, do those become paranoia? You know, and so in my mind's eye, the rifle makes it a much more efficient tool. It simply stops whatever the problem is sooner. Stops the problem sooner. I like it. So uh, we're talking with Clint Smith from Thunder Ranch, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to a break here. But when we get back, Clint, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit about some of the new courses you have to offer in 2021. But then I kind of want to do a quick fire. Uh, get, I want to get some opinions from you. Some of the some of the more common Good. debates from from gun guys, and I want to just do kind of a quick and fire, girls, which is and gun girls, quick fire. You know, which is better, this or that, and uh, see if we can get a bunch of quick answers from you. Uh, that, that'll be kind of fun. So go to YouTube and put Gun Owners Radio. Click on the subscription button so you'll be on top of it all, and you can see Michael, Joe, and I live. For another hour and a half. Hey, the California assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR style rifle. What is the solution? Buy a Cali key for your rifle. Cali key converts any mill spec direct impingement AR 15 or AR 10 into a bolt action rifle. So it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. And for those of you watching our show online, again, please hit the subscription button. All right, we're bringing back Clint Smith. He's from Thunder Ranch. Clint, thanks for hanging in there. Hey, Clint, we were just talking about uh, you know ARs in general and your, uh, your book, uh, Urban Rifle 1 and 2. Um, and off air, uh, Joe and I were here in the studio. We're just discussing um, before we before we uh, move on. How many times? You know, there's all there's all this discussion. Don't use a rifle to def you know, for home defense because everybody is convinced it's going to go right through uh, drywall and it's going to magically find its way to your closest neighbor. And you know, how often 
I don't know if you even know the answer to this or if you've seen statistics. I, you know, I know that I've seen news stories where some gang member, you know, sprays, you know, a neighborhood or a house uh, with with bullets and people, you know, unintentionally uh, get hit. But how often or have you seen statistics, uh, you know, that show uh, a person defending their home with a rifle and and unintentionally hitting somebody, you know, like a neighbor because it went through drywall? Does that happen with any consistency? Clint? Of a case of oh. the round going through and hitting somebody like in that context. Uh, the biggest issue has been the people have been hit, like especially in law enforcement applications where people forgot the offset and they were aiming at one thing and hit something else. Mm-hmm. But as far as, if you ask me, do I know of some case where someone shot a rifle for home defense that went out and shot a neighbor? I, I don't, I don't know of one. Yeah. I, 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 I think I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, you know, penetrating a wall, you know, hitting somebody unintentionally when you're trying to defend your life, extremely important. But I'm wondering if maybe we're overthinking this one a little bit. I mean, you know, the, the gun community has a, I, in my humble opinion, has a tendency to make mountains out of molehills pretty easily. Um, and I'm just, you know, especially with, with what you've taught and what I've learned from you listening to uh, and, and reading uh, some of the things that you've talked about, I'm wondering if maybe we're overthinking that a little bit. And then an AR is, in fact, a fantastic uh, firearm choice when it comes to home defense. I think so. You know, the one argument is people go, oh, the gun's too big, like in length. And I'll go, so one of the demos that I always do whenever I have a rifle class is when we get ready to do the tactical house, uh, which we call a think house because I want people to go in there and think. It's not like a shoot house or a kill house. Go in here and think about what's going to happen. I back a student up against the wall with a rifle mounted up, and then I back up next to him and draw a handgun and yeah. put it in a viable fighting position. With a full-length rifle, you're talking about an overall length difference of a nominal six inches. And now, as you know, and I know they're probably not legal in California because I can't remember what is or isn't from one day to the next. I don't know how you guys keep up with it. but Neither can we. With like, yeah, with handguns, uh, which are rifle calibers, okay, uh, you know, um, I, I, they're going to be even shorter. And then now, of course, you have this pistol caliber carbine argument going all the time. And I kind of go, well, if I'm going to use a handgun, I'm going to use a handgun. And, you know, um, it, it's there. I mean, there's still a lot of decent choices. Um, you guys would know better than I do. But, you know, uh, like I said, tried to allude to a while ago, People generally make the guns big and bulky and heavy, and they don't have to be. Right. You know, for example, a really what we consider the bottom rung of the ladder, uh, as far as that, would be an M1 carbine from like World War II, Vietnam, Korea, all that stuff. It's a five-pound rifle. Uh, it shoots a 110-grain bullet, 1,900 feet per second. There are lots of different um, cartridge designs as far as projectiles. So, uh, you know, for somebody, you know, I've had people go like, well, that's a rifle for the weak and infirmed. And I kind of go, oh, you mean like the guys that landed at Omaha Beach in Iwo Jima? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, they were really infirmed. So, um, yeah, I think that you're exactly right. I, there's a lot of stuff in the industry that I think people, um, you know, they, they come up with and it's something, you know, 
and I don't want to start a firestorm, but as an example, this appendix carry for concealed carry, you know, people go, oh, this is really new and innovative. And I go, no, it isn't. I can show you a holster that was made in 1880, okay, that was carried exactly the same way. Uh, you still got the thing pointed at your crotch. The only difference is with a single-action army, there was no round under the hammer, where with uh, something else, you might have a round under the hammer. So, as an example. So that's actually a really good uh, uh, transition to I want to ask you a bunch of questions, get get some relatively quick answers um, on on some really, really common you know, gun debates. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a good good place to start with the appendix uh, appendix carry. Um, but let's start with 9mm versus 45. There's no difference if you don't hit the target. You have to hit the target. They've all worked and they've all failed. Uh, you have to have proper bullet placement. Excellent. Okay, uh, Glock versus 1911. It doesn't matter. Uh, for me, I've shot a 1911 for 50 years, so I'm very acclimated to the gun. I realize it's old and archaic and designed. Okay, um, uh, the difference kind of is the same thing. A guy goes, I don't have to reload as much. Uh, and I would go, okay, great. That means I practice a skill that's going to be really important in a fight, which is reloading, because I have a single stack gun compared to a double. I own both guns, and I carry both guns, a Glock and a 1911. I know that shocks people, uh, but I, I do. Uh, I, I own them both. Uh, so uh, there's no argument. I think it's what people are most comfortable with, what fits their hand. Um, I do know that the smaller the gun gets, the harder it is for me to teach people to use the gun effectively because people carry it because it's concealable and it's comfortable. And I think if we, you and I could ever find a guy that thought that carrying a handgun concealed should be comfortable, we should both punch him in the mouth. They're not <laughs> supposed to be comfortable. They're supposed to save your life at arm's length. Yeah. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Okay. Um, how about uh, AK versus AR? Uh, I've been shot by an AK, and I've used an AR for 50 years. Uh, I don't want to get shot by either of them, uh, and they both are very effective. They do different things. I think uh, the AR with the right setup on it, and I don't mean heavy, but I mean, for example, if you put a one-to-four power scope on an AR, it's much easier to mount. And I think if you use proper stuff like Black Hill 77-grain ammunition, uh, we've stretched the gun to 700, and an AK, you can get hit at 700, but it's very hard to do it. Uh, I think the big area that everyone needs to concern themselves with is zero to 300 yards. That's danger close. Your opponent doesn't have to have any degree of competency, hmm. but because of the ballistics of the two cartridges, all they have to do is point the gun at you, and there's the potential for you to get hit, so they're both effective. Hmm. Uh, concealed carry versus open carry? Open carry is stupid. Uh, why would I play cards with my stuff facing the wrong way? And I got it. Somebody goes, the second minute. Yeah, I know. I read it. I read the Constitution. I read the Federalist Papers, and there's nothing in any of those documents that says anything about being stupid. <laughs> I like your analogies. It's truly but it's are, true. are, are good at, at analogies. I like the uh, why would I show everybody the, the cards I'm playing. I think that's great. Okay, Mossberg 500 versus Remington 870. They're both solid guns. The Mossberg has a tendency to be a little bit better or different. And that being said, because it has a centerline safety, it makes it more ambidextrous so it can be picked up by anybody, including someone who was injured. Where the 870, uh, they both have twin action bars, um, uh, you know, and so they're both solid guns. I own both of those guns, too. What, what about, uh, boy, this might be a little, this might be a little, talk about 
This isn't Mount- stump your nephew. I know. This is the, well. This is talk about mountain out of molehill. What about the 1911s? I know. I think Sig uh, makes. I know Sig makes one, and and a couple others. The 1911s with the external extractor. You know, they started doing that. I don't know, 25 years ago or something like that. How do you feel about them changing the design with the extractor? You know what I'm talking about? Or am, is yeah. It- um, I I personally I don't know why. Uh, I think Sig should stick to SIG pistols. Uh, you know, people who do something really good, they should do it. Uh, I'd like to say that was true of Colt, and Colt would still be in business, but we know that that's not the case. Uh, but there are a lot of, like, people who build, you know, custom guns. So, um, you know, like, for example, Nighthawk, and, you know, there are different ones that build the guns the way that Browning designed them. You know, it's guys that want to put a 10-round magazine and a 1911. If John Browning would have wanted the gun to hold 10 rounds, he would have built it that way. Yeah. So. Well, I I really like – so you're very pragmatic. You're obviously very plain-spoken. I appreciate that very much. Um, but your opinions are all very um, pragma- uh, pragmatic and, and aren't uh, clouded by, um, you know, passion or preference. I mean, you're obviously very passionate about your craft. But you're not uh, kind of black and white, very black and white. Like, hey, this is you know this is what it is. This is this is how it is. And I really, really appreciate yeah. that about about yeah. your your uh, everything you teach. Part of that is too is that if you, I'm not being ugly, but it's one thing to just scroll through a gun store you know doorway and just hey, I want this one. Oh, that's cool, and that. It's another thing if you have a class with ten to fifteen people every week and you do it week after week after month after decade after five decades it isn't even a case of being you know like oh i pick one over the other i have personal preferences but the deal with it is the people that i teach it doesn't matter how i shoot when the class is over it doesn't matter what gun i carry when the class is over what matters is how they shoot and what they carry and can they own the gun safely and responsibly without setting their leg on fire and so, and, and all that, you, the, the pragmatism, you know, the kind of, you know, roll up your sleeves, down and dirty, hey, look, this is this is how it is, um, you know, is, is fantastic. I think it makes you an excellent uh, resource, an excellent teacher. I wanted, but, you know, we just have a couple minutes. I really want to hear why is this important to you? I don't mean from a pragmatic uh, point of view. I mean, you know, from a little bit, a little bit deeper down. Why is gun ownership, why is teaching people how to shoot, um, why is this important? Why, why does it matter? Is it just another job, you know, that, that you kind of do well and you get a paycheck? I don't think that's the case. Why, why well, does this make you burn inside? I think there's a lot of people in this industry, our industry, your industry, my industry, that that's exactly what they think. They're in it for the money and they can kiss me right where the sun doesn't shine. And why I say that and why I'm adamant, and that did sound a little bit like ranty, but the deal with it is, this is what I believe deep inside. People who own guns will never be subjected to the whims of other people without their permission as long as they own a gun. That's why it's so important for us to keep the guns that we have. Now, that means we need to keep them safely and responsibly and, you know, all the stuff that we already all know and all the little, you know, trip levers and stuff. But what it really comes down to is I have the right to defend myself. And it wouldn't matter if I lived in Ethiopia. I still have that right. Now, I may not have that signed off by the people who theoretically govern me. uh, But then as long as I'm behaving, why am I being governed? You know what I mean? As long as I'm not 
robbing, raping, pillaging, plundering. Why can't I own a gun? I mean, if I'm not robbing banks and I'm not hurting anybody, why can't I defend myself and my family? Awesome. That's Clint Smith from Thunder Ranch. Check out his book, Urban Rifle 2. It's out now. You can you can Google it, find it all over the Internet. Uh, highly recommend it. Clint, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys, very much. I appreciate what you do. Hey, folks, Seal One is one of our newest sponsors, and this product will clean, lube, and protect your guns faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects. If you think your guns are clean, try using Seal One. It's also a natural, non-toxic, environmentally friendly. Seal One was founded by a Navy SEAL here in San Diego, and all their products are made in the USA. Seal One is also a strong supporter of SDCGO, San Diego County Gun Owners. So we are very, very proud to have them on board. Clean your guns faster and better with Seal One. Use the code GOR25 for a whopping 25% discount off your first order at their website, seal1.net. That's awesome. GOR25, Gun Owners Radio 25 for 25% off on Seal One products. That's very, very cool. So our next guest is, uh, he used to be Senator Joel Anderson. Now he's Supervisor Joel Anderson, right? When do we start calling you Supervisor, Joel? On January 4th. That's when I get sworn in. Congratulations. Are you excited? Oh, you bet I am. Uh, uh, you know what? We There's so much challenging our county, and uh, it's all fixable. You know, we, we've got to get past this COVID so that we can have a gun prom. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been to a gun prom, and I, I miss it. Any prom at all you haven't been. Well, that's true. That's true too. So, for everybody listening, um, there were uh, uh, just to just kind of recap. Joel uh, was state senator out in East County, ran for supervisor. Um, the mayor of Poway, Steve Voss, ran for supervisor. Um, both Republicans, um, uh, you know, both experienced politicians. Uh, we actually, San Diego County gun owners, uh, picked uh, Joel to endorse. And the reason we did so is because Joel has always been there uh, and acted when we've asked him to. And we're very appreciative of that. And when, when I say, you know, he's always been there and acted when we asked him to, uh, it wasn't that hard. It was stuff like, um, you know, the gun show, speaking up when they were trying to get rid of the gun show, uh, CCW, stuff like that. And that's, we really appreciate that. I mean, uh, Steve Voss out in Poway is a very good guy. Um, but we decided that, hey, it's not just good enough to have good opinions on guns. You have to act, and Joel has always acted. Mm-hmm. So he won. It was an extremely tight race. Um, you won by just over two hundred thousand votes, which is uh, just, just over two hundred. I'm no, sorry, two hundred yeah. votes, just I over two. I, I, uh, just by two hundred. I, 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 I was uh, I was too greedy, and I had two hundred and eighty-one votes. I didn't need. <laughs> I won by two hundred eighty-two. And you know what? Uh, if, if people say that uh, having gun owners endorsement doesn't matter. Uh, that's, you know, that's more than the, the your support was more than the margin by which I won. So I, I, I'm deeply appreciative. Excellent, and we're we're very happy that that you got elected. Talk what happened with the election. Talk to us a little bit about you know from from March until uh, just about a week ago. Uh, just give us a briefing on uh, you know how things went and uh, you know why you think it was so tight. Well, 
Well, first of all, in the primary, uh, it wasn't particularly tight. We had four people in the race, but I had over 400 volunteers, and then COVID hit, and we really had to shut down our operations, and we weren't able to go door-to-door like I'm known to do. And, you know, I love the grassroots. I love knocking on doors. And with COVID, uh, people were very nervous about it, and it, it was it would have been difficult to knock on doors. So we shifted our campaign. We weren't able to have the uh, volunteers that we had before, although many people volunteered from their home making phone calls on our behalf. Uh, but over a million dollars was spent against me and uh, in the primary. I was all spent uh, by three to one. And what we had was great people like, like gun owners behind us. And, you know, I'm a pretty outspoken guy when they shut down uh, access to our, our lakes. All our lakes are controlled. The recreational use of our lakes are controlled by the uh, city of San Diego. And the city said, you know, why are we opening up lakes like Barrett Lake and Lake Jennings and the rest uh, when we're the city of San Diego? We should just focus on Mi- Miramar Lake, uh, Otai, and uh, I forgot what the third one was. Things that are closer or touching San- the city of San Diego. So we started a letter writing campaign uh, asking the county to step up and make the difference. You know, hunting, fishing, boating, hiking, these are all activities that people don't do in packs. They're COVID-approved by their very nature, and we thought people should have access to our lakes uh, for their family, family entertainment. I mean, we're all cooped up. It's just crazy. And uh, we generated uh, almost 2,000 letters within a week. We did a press conference at uh, Lake Murray, and a week later, the Board of Supervisors stepped up, made the difference. But they weren't going to do it. They were on record already opposing getting involved. And that's the problem. That's why I'm so grateful for the for the privilege of, of, of being in office. I'm not going to sit there and just roll over. You know, we spend a lot in taxes. We uh, play by the rules, and we deserve to have access to things that we pay for. And those lakes are one of them you know, with our taxes. So uh, I was really happy they opened it up, but it shouldn't take a letter-writing campaign to do what 99% of people would understand to be the right thing. So you're going into the, the county board. It's, it's, it's going to be, it, it's for the first time in decades, it's a huge shift uh, politically, uh, philosophically. Um, you know, we had, well, it's a fairly big shift. I mean, we had Republicans, the same, basically the same five Republicans for like 20-something years um, but calling them Republicans is frankly a stretch for a lot of them. Seems like a big shift. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but what just happened is uh, Kristen Gaspar was not elected. There are now three Democrats on the board, I think, for the first time in, in San Diego history. Um, you and Jim uh, Desmond are the, the lone two Republicans. Uh, you know, we're talking about COVID. What's the plan? Like, how, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get past this? What, what's your take on everything? Uh, you know, what do we do from here? Well, I think there's three things to keep in mind. One, I'm not privy to all the information uh, that electeds have because I'm not in office yet. So I haven't seen all uh, the confidential documents. Uh, two, I think that it shouldn't be confidential. When you're having such a huge impact on ordinary citizens' lives, they should be at the table. And elected officials should be as transparent as possible. You know, we saw that uh, the newspapers and, and TV sued the county to get information to where these outbreaks are. 
And the county withheld it, and the judge ruled that if they were to release this information, that the damage would be nobody would come forward and get tested. So uh, it's set like that. Well, three days later, then the county outed a church, and they've outed additional churches. So, so wait a minute. It's not, it's not okay to out a liquor store or a big box store, but it's okay uh, to out churches. See, I, I just, look, everybody in East County, we don't want to get other people sick. We certainly don't want to kill them. But we also understand that there is no business model that I'm aware of killing your customers uh, makes it a sustainable model, right? I mean, no restaurant's going to open up with the notion that, hey, let's kill as many people as possible. Maybe an so, undertaker. So this, well, <laughs> I probably, yes, no. uh, that's been pointed out. Thank right, you. Bad joke. But Go ahead. The bottom line, though, is let's start with the premise that everyone's trying to live by the rules. Okay, so, so if you were going to... We if can't you could, be arbitrary. If We've got to apply it equally. If you could wave a magic wand, how do you think this should go from here? With As far as COVID, well, shutdowns, I, all right. that stuff. Yeah, well, I reached out to one of my colleagues already, and uh, she's doing a board letter with me, and we're going to have some open hearings where the, we're going to take public input. Uh, we're going to take a public input. We're going to listen to the experts, but we're not just going to listen. It's going to be available for every San Diegan to participate in. I think the more eyes on this problem, the better chances that we have great outcomes. Uh, I, I don't want to venture to say that it's all uh, – uh, bogus because I don't have all the information, but I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to try to figure out whether they're using medical science or political science to solve COVID. I should know flat out. In fact, every citizen in San Diego County should know that they're using medical science, and everything they do should make sense. But this notion that I can go into a big box uh, and yet I can't go to a mom and pop store. Have you been? Uh, that we can't eat outside, but I can be in a big box. Yeah. I mean, have you been watching crazy. the? Have you been watching the pressers with, uh, with uh, Doctor Wooten? Oh, we out of time. I thought for a minute. <laughs> I thought for a minute that you were going to say Doctor Fletcher. But, um, <laughs> okay, I, I, I've seen some of that stuff, but that's just not transparent enough. Yeah. You know, telling me what the numbers are. Oh, I think it's horrible. Telling me what the cause in the plan is. If we had Joel, actually, we got to we got to get going. If we have more time, I was going to say, how do we stop her? Because I think her pressers have been horrible, well, and her information's yeah, well, been awful. Here. Maybe we can get him back next week. Let's well, get him we back next week, open, Joel. We'll, All right, we got to head. Sorry, we got to get you back. Hey, gentlemen, thank you very much. Our pleasure, man. Bye-bye. Good luck. All right, self defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. And if you have taken training, then you know. You should have coverage for the legal battle after you self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage of an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Guess what? Gun Owners Radio listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe button. Sit back and enjoy the show. Why? Because Joe Germisi's coming up. How far will it go? The loss of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, good, hey. good segue. No. Yeah, here we have, Yeah, it was a great discussion uh, off uh, <laughs> off air and <laughs> now air. on air. But um, yeah, talking about the uh, the restrictions, we're now what 
10 months into our two-week flatten-the-curve restrictions. Yeah. There's real argument as to whether these things have done anything at all. I mean, there's arguments on both sides. I'm, I lean toward they, have, they haven't done anything. Um, but that's still debatable, to be fair, I guess. But the, um, the thing that's not debatable is the tremendous amount of damage that's been done economically to millions of mm -hmm. Americans because of this stuff. Irreversible damage. In some cases, yes. Yeah. And there's a, a number of businesses that are closed that are not coming back. I just heard um, the other day they were talking about, saying 10,000 more they're expecting across the country to close and through this next wave of restrictions. And, uh, you know, you got to remember people, not people, but businesses, a lot of these businesses have been going on, what, about 25% of their revenue, mm -hmm. you know, since all this started because they've been limited to 25% occupancy and this and that. And, you know, especially the restaurants and bars and things like that, there's not a big margin there. And, uh, you know, I think this would have been over a lot sooner if, um, you know, the people that were in charge were limited to about 25% of their income until, uh, till they've resolved this, you know, because, sure. uh, because I, to me, you know, person, just my personal opinion on it, this is no longer a public health thing, and I don't think this has been public health health for a long time. This is this is political, and it's power and control. Mm -hmm. And so, what I'm looking at is uh, with the subject of the the piece this week is, um, you know, our rights are being nibbled away a little bit at a time. And the question is, okay, well, how far does this go? I mean, how far does it go until people stand up and stop this? And that's kind of the subject here, because we know as gun owners, that's a common tactic of the anti-gun side. You nibble away. You take a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. People don't do anything, and, and before long, you got nothing left. And that's what's happening with these restrictions. They, they attack our basic rights. Um, the Second Amendment was attacked right off the bat. And uh, remember, they were closing uh, you know, gun shops and ranges and things. And it took President Trump to step in and say, oh, no, you can't do that. These are essential. But, I mean, they went right after that. The uh, churches, we were just talking about that on the last segment, um, you know, they still try to restrict churches. And even after the Supreme Court ruled against New York um, out here, Governor Newsom is still doing the same thing. It's okay to riot. It's okay to loot. You can protest, but you can't go to church. And, um, you know, these are fundamental rights that um, are being nibbled away at. The um, politicians that do this tend to ignore their own edicts. The, um, you know, you've all seen the, uh, the video of uh, Newsom getting caught at the, the laundry. Is that what it was called? Yeah, that, the, uh, the laundry. Very high class restaurant. The laundry room or something. Something mm -hmm. like that. Very high end restaurant. But <laughs> I mean, you know, and ignoring his own things while, while people are legitimately going under. People that own these restaurants that are closed uh, because of this nonsense are starving and going under. He's out there having fun with his buddies. And, um, you know, if you look at that too, and this is the other th the other reason I say it's not a public health thing, it's just, you know, if Governor Newsom, if he thought it was really dangerous, he would not do that. He would not have been there. Yeah. You know, and what that's saying is they know, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a, it's a power and control thing. And um, even the restrictions, you know, are causing people to turn on one another, which again is another kind of tactic that they use. And you've seen the the mask people versus the non-mask people. And, you know, there's some people that get violent. Uh, I linked in the article to like 10 different stories of, of people getting attacked for, um, you know, not wearing a mask. And, you know, I, I call both of them crazy. But, uh, you know, I said, which you know, the, the mask crazies or the non-mask crazies, you know, who's really crazy? Um, you know, again, that's a matter of opinion. But I have yet to see somebody not wearing a mask uh, yell and scream at somebody with a mask to take the mask off. Uh, you know, you don't see that. Well, hey, I, you know, 
I, it seems to it's turned into a virtue thing too. If you're if you're wearing a mask, you're a virtuous person. Yeah. If you're not wearing a mask, you're not a virtuous person. But see, and even back to the power thing, the governor in Oregon uh, is encouraging people to turn in other people. Yeah. You know, it's America. We don't do that kind of stuff here, but yet that's what you're seeing. And, um, you know, you have that kind of stuff with uh, what I call pandemophiles. You know, it's the people that are that are all whacked out about this. And, um, you know, it's just, I think it's a dangerous thing in the country. Pandemophiles? Yeah, that's, is that, that's you, my term. Did you coin that? <laughs> I did. It's a, actually a in writing now. I like that. So, pandemophiles. Uh, so we'll see if it catches on. But th right. those are the people that are obsessed with this and really afraid of it. Because when you see somebody, and, and the, the danger about this, you know, the thing with the mask, for instance, mm -hmm. is more, I think, of a conditioning thing. Because there was just a study just came out of Denmark where they specifically looked at people wearing masks versus people not wearing masks. And they could find no difference. The The people with masks, and they looked at over 6,000 people, so it's a, a pretty reasonable study. But they found, um, I think, 1.8% of the mask wearers ended up uh, testing positive or getting sick. And it was 2.1% of the non-mask wearers. So, I mean, it wasn't... Well, I think, and it's a little more nuanced. I mean, people, it's not a matter of do masks work, you know, do masks not work. If you can stop, uh, you know, liquids from coming out of your body, mm -hmm. then you're going to be able to, uh, you know, and, and going into someone else's body, you're going to be able to stop the virus that's located within the liquid from infecting the, the other person. However, you're not going to, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, these stupid gators that people get from REI, you really think you're going to be able to stop a, a contagious virus with, with these stupid kids? No. Now, if they said, hey, everybody wear a hazmat until this whole thing is over, well, why won't they do that? Well, because that's ridiculous. So shutting down the entire economy for 10 months. Well, see, and, that, and that's <laughs> no. what I'm saying. You know, it's the mask is more of a conditioning thing. What it is, it's, it's conditioning you to just listen to the government, just follow the rules. Like uh, Dr. Fauci said, just do what you're told. Yeah. That's what the mask is. It's conditioning people to just blindly follow the government without thinking. I mean, when I see somebody driving down the road by themselves in the car with a mask with on, mask on yeah. I got to think, is that person thinking really? I've seen people on motorcycles with masks yeah. on. I see people walking on trails, nobody anywhere around them. I had a neighbor mowing his lawn with a mask on. You know, well, it's like just so just today I went and got gas, didn't have my mask on because I'm getting gas. I'm alone. I go into the store to buy a drink. Without I your mask? I forgot, because it's not normal to wear a mask. So it didn't cross my mind. I wasn't making some political statement. I don't want to upset the business owner. Uh, but a customer came in with a mask on, and he said, oh, I thought we were supposed to wear masks in this place. And I said, my apologies. You know what? I, I didn't intend to come in here without a mask. I said, do you have a mask, or do I need to go get one? The store guy, the guy behind the counter said, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the guy, the customer with the mask, then walks. Uh, we kind of both go towards the the, uh, Exit. the the cash register. Oh, and I stood back and I said, "Go ahead." And he goes, "No, it's all right." I said, "Well, I'm giving you six feet of space, man. Like, you know, the social distancing thing. You're ju you're just about masks. You're not about social distancing. Like, we're trying to be respectful here. Mm -hmm. You know, are you really? Are you just you know being a jerk and calling me out? Or, and you just beating into you, the ground? Or do you really mean this thing? And what right. Joe's saying is. I don't really think these people really mean this thing. They're not really, really. Well, no, but it's fear, though. They're, they're, some people are, are really, truly afraid of this. And when, when people are that afraid, they some people don't think rationally anymore, and they don't, they don't behave rationally. Yeah, yeah, but you don't. I mean, if you're sick, you're not going to go out. I don't think if you're healthy, you know, and you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, if you know that you're not, you're, you've taken your temperature, 
like I do every, before I leave the house. And, you know, as long as I've got a good temp and I, and I can smell and everything's working fine. Well, you can actually not have symptoms and still be contagious. That's, that's so, so they say. Well, that's what but, they say. I mean, that's, that's a debatable thing. That's too, debatable but, as well. But, I mean, that's true of, of, a, of a cold. They're both coronavirus. You know, it's, but, it's and really I'm saying, I, say I'm just that. saying, I, I think it, it would work better if, if people, this is America, if people were left to do it, to make their own decisions. If you're a business owner and you want to make everybody wear a mask in your business, I think that's great. If people decide they don't want to go to your business because of that, then they won't, and then you'll have to adjust. Same thing if you want to have people not wear masks in your see, business. I agree with Mike. I think they're just testing the water to see how much control. And you're right. The, Is that the what Mike pup, said? I didn't say that. <laughs> Joe said You that. agree with me. <laughs> you agree with Joe. Oh, okay. Well, I was at Albertsons the other day, and a lady was standing at least 20 feet back. Yeah. And the guy in front of her wasn't even to the register. Hey, get your mask on. And I looked at her, and I thought, wow, you must have a pair. Yeah, let's see it. I mean, why? You know, just be quiet. You know, you know, no one's bothering you. If you if you're concerned, wrap your head in your shirt or something. But I don't know. It's, well, at it's, least people are standing up to it now. Because I, I just, think you're right. In New Jersey, they said the the um, the level of non-compliance with their contact tracers uh, broke seventy four percent last mm-hmm. week. So seventy four percent of the people they're talking to, where they're trying to trace the contacts, are refusing to uh, sure. talk to them. Oh. And then and they tell them that. They're doing this because of a surge that was caused by Thanksgiving gatherings. And I'm asking, okay, if 74% of the people aren't cooperating with you, how do you know yeah. it came from Thanksgiving yeah. gatherings? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's I going a, on out there. I had a restaurant, you know, where they were taking phone numbers? Yeah. And the guy gave him the governor's phone number. There you go. Hey, home mortgage interest rates have dropped, and if you're looking to buy, refi, or maybe considering a reverse mortgage, you need to call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. That's Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine. All right, Joe Gervisi, he's going to talk a little bit about gear talk, discovering gear at the range. I understand you Learned something here the last week or two. I did. I discovered a bunch of gear at the range the last couple of weeks, which, uh, you know, I'm always trying to encourage people to um, to get take their guns out and shoot them. They're a lot more fun if you take them out and you shoot them and you do things. And, um, you know, at the range, it's uh, interesting because I do these, uh, these range safety officer shifts pretty much every uh, Friday up at Alpine at the Lemon Grove Rod and Gun Club. And uh, I now got regulars that show up for my shift. And uh, it's funny because I used to laugh at, you know, some of the older guys there because they come and they, they talk more than they shoot sometimes. But I found that the, my friends were doing this the other day. They pull up and they come down, they throw some chairs out, and we talk for an hour before they start shooting. But um, Why not? It's You know, it's part of it. That's, that's what I'm saying. This is a great hobby, the gun ownership thing. There's so many different dimensions to it. It's not all about concealed carry and shooting defense and this and that. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of, you know, the social part to it. But um, going to the range, you know, over the last three or four weeks, I've run into some things that were just um, really cool things that I'm going to end up picking up probably. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was telling uh, a while ago, we looked at the uh, the Ruger GP100, the revolver yeah, that yep. we talked about here. Super nice. And, yeah, and I found that at the range. I was working a Women on Target uh, event, and um, the woman I was working with wanted to try a revolver. I did not have one. The guy next to me had, here, you could shoot this one. And I just shot it a couple of times before I had the uh, the student shoot it. 
And I thought, oh, this is, I got to have one of these. And, you know, and that's where that Did came you tell, from. Do you tell Santa? Uh, no, I got, I, I got one without Santa. I oh. couldn't, couldn't wait for Santa on that one. <laughs> but uh, there's a couple of other things, though. Um, one of the things we were looking at is uh, somebody showed me the, um, an angled foregrip on their, um, for their yeah, AR. Sure. Which, uh, you know, I hadn't really seen one of those before. And if you haven't seen it, it's just a small piece of plastic that fits up near the uh, muzzle end of your AR. But it gives you something to grab onto and, and gives you a really good grip around the muzzle mm-hmm. or around the barrel. And um, just really neat. And it's, you know, it's by Magpul. It's it's fairly cheap. And uh, it was right there online. And uh, I got one now. Now I, I can't You're not going to have nothing under your tree. You keep this up. Well, I still got a couple of things I didn't get, though. Uh, but I did find a, a quick disconnect for my um, Red Dot site. So that was something, too, because when we were looking at the, uh, the Black Hound optics, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I took my Red Dot off of the AR, put the optic back on it, and then someone at the range was showing me there, there's a mount you can buy that goes under the optic that's just a quick, quick disconnect, basically. And what's nice about it is you take the, um, you know, if you have your, your optic mounted to that, that quick disconnect, it's on the rifle, you zero everything in, you can pop that optic off, put something else on. When you put the optic back on, it stays zero. You don't lose your zero. Yeah. That, was it LaRue? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. LaRue mm-hmm. is, has this quick disconnect for optics that you're describing, and it is um, fantastic. It's really, really amazing. There's no logical reason that you should keep your zero, but somehow LaRue has figured it out. Yeah, and that's uh, and again, I didn't wait for Sand on that one either. So <laughs> I <picked up. laughs> what I haven't picked up yet, though, is um, is the twenty two cal conversion kit for my AR because that was another thing. Uh, I was watching a guy at the range, and uh, again, one of my regulars on Friday, but he's got his AR, and the um, the conversion kit will convert your AR to a, a twenty two caliber, which under normal conditions um, is a lot cheaper to shoot than a two two three, and and it's only is you're just dropping a bolt in. It takes two minutes to do it. And, um, what's good about it is I was watching this guy and, you know, he's shooting 22s out of his rifle, but you know, he's doing all the mechanics are exactly the same. So the reloads, you know, getting down behind cover, standing up, moving from targets, acquiring targets, all that stuff is all exactly the same as it would be shooting two, two, three, except you're shooting little 22 caliber things. And, um, I thought, wow, that's great. And, um, and no flinch, you don't develop a flinch, right? Nothing, yeah. And what what's yeah. nice is you could do all the mechanics, plus you could do it shooting on the pistol side. I don't have to be on the rifle side shooting the rifle. Uh, yeah. And I could shoot at the steels and do all that stuff. And um, that one may be Santa, because I haven't done that yet. I'm just waiting to verify. Uh, we're trying to connect here, so he's going to drop his into my rifle just to make sure it works. But, um, you know, a lot of cool stuff like that. And if you don't, you don't get out, you don't get to see that kind of stuff. Um, the other one... Um, you know, making my uh, rifle compliant in California. I've tried a whole bunch of different schemes now. So the latest one I ran into was the Juggernaut um, yeah. Hellfighter, I think it is, which is, again, another nice one. And, um, you know, I had Ryan throw that in for me at Gunfighter Tactical. And because I saw the guy at the range was showing me, you know, how his worked. And because uh, I was having problems before with the other system I was using with um, the um, magazine reliably staying in there. And um, so I switched to this one. This seems a lot more steady now. And again, it does. What was, what was the other one? Um, the other one, which was fine. It was a cross armory, um, the quick pins. Mm. And um, and it was fine. It worked pretty well. I, I just seem to have trouble with the magazine, keeping it adjusted 
it would work on one magazine. It wouldn't work on another identical magazine. Mm. And I thought, now nah, let me just try something else here. Because while we're wrestling with this stuff, until the lawsuit is successful, there you go. You got to have something on your gun. And I'm trying to find something that that does the least damage to reliability as I can find. You know, because uh, the thing when you start playing with these guns and make them compliant, then you're reducing the li- or the reliability on them. What mags do you use? Um, for those, I had uh, just on there. It was just a couple of Magpul uh, type mags for it for the AR. Yeah. So nothing, nothing special. I mean, uh, you know, I've got bigger ones, smaller ones. I had ten round mags. I had uh, the long ten round mags that are pinned. You know, I have old thirty round mags. But um, yeah, I do. Well, that's the thing. All my my AR mags are the old like government style metal. You know, and everybody, everybody. I'm like my mags are all dinosaurs. I'm a dinosaur now. Everybody's using the the, the cool. Uh, you know, a Magpul ones, but I don't know. I'm, I've been thinking about, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's just, like I said, the... Uh, the See, I don't even ones. have to go to the range to find gear. I just have to, <laughs> just have, to have a conversation with Joe. And yeah, I got, Joe's I got you in. Now I have uh, something to ask Santa for. Well, and that was fun. It's like you were talking about on the break with the uh, the night shoot the other night, looking yeah. at the night vision stuff. You know, when you go out, you see that kind of stuff. It's uh, fun. I don't want to see that kind of stuff. It's, that's <laughs> yeah, expensive stuff. But, uh, but all that kind of stuff, um, you know, that's why... You should go. You should shoot. It's a lot of fun. You learn things. Yeah, the uh, Blackhound Optics was there. Uh, I checked out their uh, their scope. He actually, uh, Melissa got a scope. She, she's going to review uh, Blackhound Optics scope because she's a, a long distance shooter. But uh, there was a lot of really cool stuff to see. I, I you know I guess I already touched on a lot of it, but um, the uh, uh, the best was that four fifty eight SOCOM. That was smooth thank you gina if you're listening for letting me uh <laughs> shoot your 458 socom but so yeah. what did what do you uh so did you pick up all that stuff what's your what's next on your on your shopping list um next out all that stuff would have been the conversion kit i'm just waiting to see there's no reason why it won't work on my rifle but i'm always i'm picky like that so um tyler from the range uh, one of the guys that comes and shoots is going to bring his in and we're going to just throw it into my rifle and shoot it for a little bit and if it works there That'll be the next. Uh, What's your next AR? One. Is it a it's a Daniel, Daniel Defense? Defense. Mm-hmm. Wow, nice. But um, yeah, it works great. I like it. I just uh, you know the big goal this year is to shoot it more and to, to learn more to be uh, be more comfortable with it. I guess. What optic are you running? Um, right now, I've got a Trigicon red dot on it, which is great. I, I love that too. No problems at all with that. And now that'll be mounted to my Larue uh, Tactical Quick Disconnect. So yesterday, I was talking to a couple of people about um, a red dot. I'm on on my pistol. I'm I'm a way late adopter, and I'm really nervous about about that. But apparently, <laughs> the RMR is is really really great. So I so don't know. these are the other things that we've been looking at because a, a couple of the guys that come and shoot every Friday are trying out different uh, red dots. So I'm looking at Trigicons. I'm seeing Hollow Suns. Um, they've got a bunch of different ones, and I think I may try that on my Glock 34 first. I don't want to put one on the carry gun till I'm. You know, I've made the decision, but I may throw one on the 34 and try it out because um, once you use them, you know, once you get used to drawing and coming up and getting the thing lined up the way it should be, once you get that part down, uh, you know, finding the dot, um, it's the target acquisition is a lot quicker and uh, people do a lot better with those. So a lot of people I respect are, are, are going are going that way. John Korea is always talking about the, the red dot on the pistol. He says they're they're really fantastic, but... I ha- it has to be hardy, you know. I can't. It can't be made of China. I got to be able to drop it a couple times and not worry about it breaking. The battery life has to be outstanding, 
and I have to be able to leave it on all yeah. the time. No, those no, are my those are my three requests. Nothing that money can't take care of. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, there's Santa. Yeah. Hey, our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Parlor, Spotify, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. And share the show with as many friends as you can. And thanks for tuning in. And remember, together we will win. Absolutely right. All right. So, hey, have you heard what's happening on the San Diego City Council and in Santee? Recalls, recounts. Mike, tell us what the heck is happening on the San Diego City Council. So, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, we had an election about a month ago. Is that what that was? That was yeah, that huge sucking sound. Yeah. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> that was an Up an alpine, we heard this thing. What the hell was that? <laughs> And there's a lot of talk, obviously, on you know national. I mean, this is probably the most unique presidential election. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing, all 50 states. Um, so I understand the, the focus, but there's a lot going on locally too. Um, the other, so let's San Diego City Council. The City Council, San Diego has a strong mayoral system, which means that the mayor is kind of his own separate entity. Mostly on a city council, the mayor is is really a, just a part of the city council. And some city councils, they just rotate. Hey, you're the mayor this year. You're the mayor next year. Um, but in San Diego, the mayor is not really a part of the city's the city council. There are nine city council members, uh, and they just elected uh, the makeup of the city council changed drastically in this last election. They elected four new people: Joe Lacava, Stephen Whitburn, Marnie Van Wilpert, and Raúl. Uh, Campillo. Oh, and oh, and Sean L.O. Rivera. That's five. So what they do is they uh, get together and they elect, the nine of them elect a president. Now, the president uh, is really just another city council member, but they also get to run the meetings and they get to decide what goes on the uh, the, the agenda. So it, it's, a, it's a little bit of power, um, but it's also kind of symbolic. You know, if you're the president of the city council, it's kind of symbolic. So what happened is the uh, um, what, what, what's what's referred to as the BIPOC crowd, the Black Indigenous People of Color, um, BLM crowd, whatever you want to refer to them as, they said, "Hey, there's one person on the council, Monica Montgomery, who is Black. We would like her to be president. She's been on the council for a while. We, you know, symbolically would be." Uh, you know, an accomplishment, uh, somebody to look up to. It, it was important to them, you know, to elect Monica Montgomery as, as president. And there were a lot, she had a lot of support from a lot of activists, you know, and activists are the people, they're the backbone of, of any political party, but particularly, you know, these were the backbone of the Democratic Party. These weren't the donor class. Um, they weren't the, uh, you know, organizations. These are the people that actually show up and make the Democratic Party uh, move. So the council instead voted for Jen Campbell. Jen Campbell is another city council member, um, and they basically asked her, the, the activists asked her, they said, hey, you know, we're looking for diversity. We're looking for, you know, attention to the black community in San Diego. Um, you, know, uh, you know, what do you have to say? And she told a story that I think is going to go down in political, especially local San Diego history um, as – 
one of the most ridiculous. She told a story about how when she was eight years old, she found out that band-aids only came in one color. And it was it was like a it was like a you know, like a kind of a peach. Well, you know what color band-aids yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. And that they it come in was, other colors. Well, she she basically told the story about how she went and found band-aids that were other colors for her friends that weren't white. And the activists went crazy, <laughs> understandably, you know, that she just kind of wrapped up the entire history of, you know, um, Jim Crow laws racism. And, and racism and, you know, into a box bigotry of band-aids. into Band-Aids, into a stupid story about Band-Aids. So that set them off even, even worse. But they ended up electing uh, Jen Campbell as the president. <laughs> and people went absolutely nuts uh and this band-aid story uh, kind of went viral especially amongst you know activists and people that are paying attention to local politics well the next day barbara Bree, who ran for city council or excuse me ran for mayor and lost to todd gloria uh went on kusi and said hey we're gonna start a recall um and she actually referred to jen campbell uh, the Band-Aid lady, um, is she said she wasn't intelligent enough to be the president of the council, that she sat next to her for a couple of years, there's no way that she's going to be able to do this job, and that she's bought and pay, paid for by the police unions, the Chamber of Commerce, and other union representatives. Wow. The, the, it's just amazing. Like, this is – so they're all Democrats, and I got to tell you, if you look at their votes, they're all – pretty similar in what they believe they all talk about you know when it comes to covid when it comes to you know uh, black lives matter when it comes to all these things they're almost identical but uh you know the band-aid story and uh, boom they're turning all now now jen campbell is is racist and they're they're going to recall her and so they want to recall her as a as a council member yes and get rid of her just because the other council members voted to make her president exactly right. and she told a goofy story exactly right (laughs) It is a firing, uh, what, what do they call it? Circular, circular firing squad. There you That's go. Right. A circular firing Couldn't squad. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people. <laughs> I, it's, you know, it's almost like, so nine city council members in San Diego, only one of them is a Republican, Chris Kate. Um, the rest of them are, are uh, you know, um, Democrats. And a lot of these new folks got the support, I, in their defense, by the way, of the activists, the people that are mad about Jen Campbell. A lot of the new folks that got elected got elected with the support of the of, of the folks that that they just voted against. Mm. You know, their first big action in city council. I mean, for years, you know, they've been saying, "Oh, vote for me. I'm going to be do it. You know, I'm going to promise you the sun, moon, and the stars." Their first vote on what is mostly a symbolic position, the president of the city council, <laughs> and they they you know said forget it you're out you know i'm, I'm, I'm totally ignoring it. our first vote right out of the gate <laughs> i'm completely leaving activists in the in the dirt but i gotta tell you all the, i mean you know i think that it's easy to just kind of you know roll your eyes and throw your hands in the air but there i think there's a lesson for everybody to learn here and um and i, and I don't mean that to sound condescending but um you know their the first thing the first criticism was hey she's a racist you know and that's the most common criticism coming from people that are generally on the left you know they throw that out racist boom mm-hmm. on the right what do we typically criticize them well they're they're communists they're 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 socialists right now if you break that down okay what are what are you actually saying when you say hey this person's racist you're saying hey that person hates another person 
you know, for, for something they have no control over, mm-hmm. something that was in their DNA, they have no control, that's not fair, you know, that's not right, you know, and we're all kind of have this, this, uh, uh, kind of a you know a, a disdain. Well, a disdain, but like a like a, a guttural reaction to that. I mean, that's hey, that's horrible. Nobody likes a bully, you know. And on the right, you know that that person's a socialist. They're a communist. Okay, well, what are they really saying? Hey, that person disagrees with tax policy and income. Doesn't quite have, <laughs> you know, and and it they're they're striking at a at an emotional yeah it's exactly it's an emotional response because they don't have an argument you know it's like okay we don't like this woman she told a goofy story okay but why what really you know why why do we want to remove her policy wise what is she going to do as a council member that's bad for us you know and there's nothing there so she's a racist she's a racist that's the easiest way to do it and that unfortunately has become acceptable in our society over at least the last four years, probably long. Well, no, cause it started with Obama really. And, um, you know, calling people racist for the, just because you disagree with their opinion or they disagree with you. And that's the easy way because you don't have to make an argument. You don't have to defend mm-hmm. your position. You don't have to make a logical attack on their position. You know, you just throw out the racist thing and, you know, since the media and everybody else has joined into it so vigorously now, it's like, People are terrified to be called a racist. You know, that's like the end of the world. And, um, you know, it gives these people a lot of power, which is unfortunate. Well, it does give them a lot of power. And it, but, and it kind of goes back to the, the COVID discussion that we were just having where, you know, this it's a virtue thing, you know, where um, they say, hey, that person's not wearing a mask. They're a jerk. They're a bad person, you know. Um, and what, what what do we do? We immediately go. We start like spouting off statistics. Wow, look, ninety nine percent. You know what I mean? We start. Yeah. We turn into an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Well, people aren't inspired by an encyclopedia. No, they're inspired by emotions. They're so, inspired yeah. by emotions. Exactly. You know. So, um, I, you know, I I think it's it's a it's not so much a lesson learned on uh, you know the specifics of the case. I don't I don't know Jen Campbell. I know she's. Uh, anti-gun <laughs> you know we've never endorsed her um i know she's voted against this a time or two um uh, i'm not a big fan i'm frankly not a big fan of uh many of the people to say any of them. city council of san diego um but i think the lesson is in is in communication here it's in politics well, uh you know communicating on political issues well it's interesting you know we had dan was on here last week yeah. the uh what was it the uh good gun bad guy yeah. book yeah and um i picked up uh, his book at least the first one anyway he's got three of it. it's a three book series but um pretty interesting actually and he talked that's exactly what he addresses in there the the um emotional you know the the emotional targeting that the anti-gunners use and the response generally, because on the on the pro-gun side, you tend to be on the defensive right off the bat. And you tend to respond with, you try to respond with, um, with you know, with facts and things like Logic. that. Yeah, and it doesn't work because gotta, they're, they're gotta, playing that emotional you card. You got to tug on heartstrings. Now, now, let's talk about hypocrisy. Let's talk about Santee. So Santee, we had Dustin Trotter on. We, we congratulated him on winning. He won by five votes. Wow. Uh, four districts in Santee, five votes, uh, total votes for both candidates, about 8,000 votes. Um, the Democratic Party decided that they uh, aren't happy with that, so they are demanding a recount. And they're actually paying for a recount. So this week, this coming up week, myself and some other members and, and staff for San Diego County Gunners are actually going to go down and observe the recount. 
Now, it's important to note, they don't expect fraud. They don't expect that uh, there's any wrongdoing. Uh, the strategy is they're going to look for Dustin Trotter votes and try to discount them uh, for technical reasons. You know, you didn't dot an I, you didn't cross a T. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the same party <laughs> that has been losing their minds for the last month over what's going on nationally where Trump's demanding recounts, Trump's talking about, you know, hey, I don't know if all these votes are, are, legit. are legit. Are they going to ask you guys to stand outside the room while they recount? Or? They can ask all they want. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what I'm doing. We're going to, you know, observe and, and fight to make sure that they don't steal an election uh, by, you know, meddling with democracy and uh, taking, you know, votes away from people. There are people, that, what they're looking to, these are people that actually exist in a free, fair election. They went and voted or, you know, mailed in their vote, however they got their vote to the registrar. These are legitimate people. They're not arguing they're not legitimate people. But these are people that intended to vote for Dustin Trotter. He won by five votes. And now the Democratic Party, their intention and their strategy <clears throat> is to take that person's vote away. Right. And, and can you say, is that is that really surprising given what's going on nationally? Would, would I sound stupid if I said I was – it's it's so – It's so <laughs> hypocritical – that I'm frankly surprised. But anyway, that's what's going on in local politics. Well, it'll be interesting if they uh, – have you already been authorized to go in and observe? Tomorrow. Tomorrow it starts. It's probably but you've been authorized? Yes, three to five days we're going to go in, yeah. Dustin's crew and my uh, – I'm a part of Dustin's crew. The Democrats are going to well, be there. Well, don't leave the building until they do. Yeah, I hear you. I, listen, I'm serious. I, I'm taking this extremely seriously. Not because Dustin's such a good guy, not because it's such an important seat in Santee. I'm taking this seriously because the local Democratic Party is trying to take votes away from, from well-meaning, honest, voters. legitimate people. Right. And I think that that is just about as uh, deplorable as a person can get, and they're doing it on a uh, systemic level. Mm-hmm. Well, some might say if you know if you show you can do that successfully at the national level, why not try it at the local level? Wow, that's scary. Hey, we are so proud to have the Firearms Policy Coalition as a partner. Firearms Policy Coalition has been on fire filing a ton of lawsuits here in California and across the nation to protect your Second Amendment. Together, we are working on all levels to restore your self-defense rights, so we need you to join Firearms Policy Coalition. People, they are making things happen. FPC just filed a petition for the Holloway versus Barr case to be heard by the Supreme Court. This could be the first Second Amendment case heard by the Supreme Court in over a decade. They need your help. Become a member today by visiting their website, firearmspolicy.org. Yeah. Now, before we go to stump your nephew, you yep. have a, a a fan letter? Yeah, we got a really cool letter from Ed Reed in El Cajon. Uh, Ed, if you're listening, thank you so much. We got your letter. Ed sent us a, uh, a quick I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he listened to our interview of uh, Sheriff Bianco, and uh, he's very, very appreciative. Uh, he said that uh, uh, he really liked the interview. Uh, he really enjoyed uh, Sheriff Bianco's uh, stance when it comes to pushing back against the governor who's trying to shut down the state here. Um, says he has incredible courage and said that uh, Chad Bianco, the sheriff, is somebody that that deserves San Diego County gun owners' support. 
And uh, the other thing he did is he got a letter. He sent a letter to Sheriff Bianco um, and got a response from from the sheriff. And it was a, a fantastic, nice little response, just kind of reiterating his position. Um, well, the governor's office and the state has threatened uh, action against violators. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. Anyway, I, I thought it was really nice. He just wanted to show us that, that hey— uh, a fantastic politician responded to his letter, and he re- and he wrote the letter in response to the interview he heard. And also want to point out that there is a Riverside County gun owners, uh, Ed, and we're going to Riverside County gun owners has a great relationship with the sheriff. And uh, when he's up for re-election, I uh, can imagine you're going to see a fantastic endorsement from Riverside. I can't; they haven't endorsed yet, but. Uh, uh, he's done such a good job, I can't imagine that going any other way. And there's also an Orange County Gunner, San Bernardino County Gunners. Just wanted to thank Ed uh, and and bring that up. Now, for the segment we've all been waiting for, Stump My Nephew with Sam the Gunman. What's going on, Sam? Not much. How are you guys? Fantastic. So uh, what would you think of that letter? That was nice, right? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's always good to uh, to hear that you have so much support from uh, the the people who are members of the organizations and who may not be members but are supporters. And if you're listening and you're not a member but you support the cause, go out and join. There you go. So every Please. week, we er, I appreciate it. That's awesome, Sam. Every week, Sam, of course, is my nephew. He is 21 years old, and he does a fantastic job with, uh, with gun trivia, we found. Uh, so every week, uh, somebody writes in, if we use your question on the air – uh, we're going to send you a shirt. If you stump my nephew, we're going to give you a front site membership. And that's uh, basically training for the rest of your life. You can take any class with this membership. You can take any class they offer as, off, as often as you like. Sam is not prepared for these questions at all. He has no idea what we're going to ask. And without further ado, Joe's going to read you the question. All right. So, Sam, this is my big chance here to, to participate in the most popular segment of the show. <laughs> So, uh, are you ready, Sam? Yeah, let's have it. Okay. So, um, this one comes from Karen in Riverside. So, the question the 3030 Winchester cartridge has two 30s in the title. The first 30 indicates that the bullet is 30 caliber. What does the second 30 indicate? Karen from Riverside, thanks very much for writing in. Um, now, 3030 Winchester, or 30 WCF for Winchester Center Fire, as it uh, is sometimes referred to, um, follows uh, an old sort of archaic American naming system for cartridges, where the first number is uh, the caliber, and the second number after the dash is the powder charge in grains. Um, so if, if you see like 4570 government or uh, 50, 90 sharps or whatever. Um, those old cartridges were loaded with black powder, so they they had um, they had to have a, a lot more volume to get the same amount of power. Uh, 30 Winchester Centerfire or 3030 Winchester, as we call it, um, only has to have 30 grains of black powder um, to to push that 150 or 180 grain bullet at um, some pretty substantial velocities because it was one of the first smokeless cartridges uh, to, to see a lot of use in sporting arms in the United States. And smokeless powder is much, much more powerful. I like, he doesn't even pause, you know, to see if he gets it before he gets, remember when he used to pause to see if he got the answer right and then we'd get the dissertation? Well, I think that pause was just part of the, you know, 
just yeah. for us. We didn't even get the pause didn't anymore. Have to pause. He just, you know, did you know the answer to that, Joe? Um, no, <laughs> I, I really didn't. Uh, I might have guessed at that part, but I can't say I, I knew that. No. I knew. There you go. <laughs> you should be able to say that. <laughs> well, absolutely right, Sam. Excellent job, man. Thanks very much. How did you know that, by the way? Um, it's uh, there. The the way cartridges are named is so confusing and uh, complicated that it, it really helps to. Um, if you're going to be doing this for work, which I am, it, it really helps to to know that background uh, about how different cartridges are named and why, so that you can help people get the correct ammunition for their gun. Because a lot of times people people don't really know a whole lot about ammunition. Um, they'll they'll just go like, here, this is what's stamped on the side of my gun, and that, like they won't tell you the whole thing. So you have to sort of pull it out of them like pulling teeth like okay what model is it when was it made who makes it etc but you know well sam are these some of these questions that we give you i mean like the 30 30 are these things that you think about yourself and you go geez i wonder what this stands for and then you look it up yeah that, that really is um just curiosity on your I part up a lot of this stuff yeah because um, i i went Huh, I don't know the reason for such and such. I'd better find out in case it ever becomes important. <laughs> yeah, since we put you on the spot every uh, Sunday. Every Sunday. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hard do you think that question was? Um, well, it, it's kind of hard to gauge it because any question is easy if you know the answer. <laughs> um, so because, because I knew the answer confidently and, and had some background, I would rate that as a fairly easy question. Uh, I, I don't really want to put a number on it. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Hey, did you, I, I shot a uh, 458 SOCOM last weekend. Oh, yeah? Last night. How was actually. that? It was awesome. Have you ever Have you ever shot one? Um, I have not. I would uh, I would wind up in the next county, which <laughs> is not as big a feat as it would be in California, but still, I don't have much body mass to put behind a 458. So what's the uh, it, what's what's the what's a comparable uh, velocity? Like what what if you were going to compare a 458? So if someone said, hey, how powerful is that, what would you compare it to? Well, the first thing I would compare it to is 50 Beowulf because they're pretty similar cartridges. Um, they're big bore, uh, big bore rounds designed for the AR-15 that feed from a, a standard magazine as though it were a single stack. Um, the, the case diameters themselves are pretty similar, yeah. and the load data, as I understand it, is roughly similar. They're, they're both launching bullets of comparable weights. And it was, if someone asked me how much it kicked, I would, you know, problem is I'm, you know, such a tough guy. I don't even feel that anymore. Like their recoil is, you know, but, uh, no bruises, was you. <laughs> no bruises, <laughs> no bruises. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think it was somewhere around shotgun level recoil. I don't think it was, you did know. you like it? <laughs> did I like it? Yeah. Well, I loved it. I yeah. wanted four with <laughs> my yeah. boy. <laughs> but it wasn't like, Kick you know, me again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to i actually i seriously would love to have a, four, a 458 socom uh pistol are you AR listening pistol. to this santa yeah santa sam um but, yeah i uh well no promises but yeah. but keep but people keep telling me that a 458 socom ar pistol would just destroy me or whatever i, I, I don't no, know it I think would. People, people again we make mountains out of molehills yes we do i think i can handle we it. do that well out here yeah. So. In lovely California. Awesome job, Sam. As always. 
Thanks happy- very much for having me on. That, uh, that was a fun question because there's a lot of background yeah. about cartridge nomenclature. It really is a, a deep rabbit hole. You're telling me. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. Also, uh, happy Hanukkah. Thank Absolutely. You. All right. All right, bud. Take care. You too. Good night. All right. Hey, folks, if you're listening on YouTube or you've been listening on YouTube or any of our podcasts, do us a favor and hit the like button and subscribe it and subscribe to it and share the show with as many friends as you possibly can because that really helps us and our and our sponsors. Speaking of which, thank you to San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Cali Key, the Dillon Law Group, Ailes Ford Firearms Store, Firearms Policy Coalition, Seal One, PRMI Mortgage, and our newest partner, National Concealed Carry Association. And I really want to thank Michael Schwartz, Joe Germisi, Sam the Gunman, and tonight, and tonight only, Max, the board op. He's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Go to thegunownersradio.com for podcasts and latest information. Be safe and always keep your Second Amendment first. Right here on FM 9670, the answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. America is waking up.